I want to give you some tests today. I know we're not always crazy about tests. When you were younger, you had tests in school, and now most of you have medical tests at the doctor's office. A healthy Christian is not afraid to examine their salvation. Did you know that? An unhealthy Christian is afraid to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves. Sometimes we need to have an examination. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified or fail the test. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. As we come to the end of this book, John writes these things. Have, notice past tense, I written unto you. Actually, in the Greek language, this is called an epistolatory aorist. What does it mean? It goes all the way back to the beginning of the book. John is saying, the things I've written to you in this book, this little book of five chapters, 1 John, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. You have professed your faith in Christ, and hopefully it's been genuine and sincere, that you may know. Now, there's two Greek words in the New Testament for know. One is gnosko, which uh, means experientially know, and one is oda, O-I-D-A, and it means to factually know. That's the one that's used here. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know as a fact that you have eternal life and that you continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. God wants you to know you're saved. And he certainly wants you to know that you're not saved if you think you're saved and you're not. And there'll be many in that category. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this? Have we not done that? And then I will profess unto them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. As Dr. Rogers used to say, we need to have not a hope-so salvation, not a think-so salvation, but a no-so salvation. I love watching the four- and five-year-olds play basketball on Saturday, especially since my four-year-old grandson is one of them. And uh, there's one thing you can just about count on. Every four- and five-year-old basketball game, at least one or two are going to get the basketball and go toward the wrong goal to score. You can just about count on that with the four- and five-year-olds. And the parents are going wild. Go the other way. Go the other way. And they don't know what you're talking about. But you can really get fused if you don't know the right goal. You can really get confused if you don't know for sure whose team your own. So I hope this message today, as we go through 1 John and we look at some of these tests of eternal life, and you'll either pass or fail, it is my desire, it's my desire that everybody in this room is saved, and if you don't have an assurance, a great assurance will well up within you, and you will say, I passed that test, I passed that test, I've got eternal life, I know that I'm saved, I know that I'm on God's team. And my second desire in this service, and perhaps even more in the second service, because I think we have a bigger group there, but this is a nice crowd today for the 830 service, is that if there are those in the service that think they're saved and they're really not, and we know 
Many will say to me in that day, Jesus said, it is my desire that you'll realize, you know what? I may be a Baptist, I may have been baptized, etc., etc., etc. I may have a religious streak in me, but I do not know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And today at the close of this service, you'll come and let me talk with you and pray with you or some other counselor. We won't embarrass you. We just want to talk to you. Okay, test number one is the obedience test. And you find these tests several times throughout the book of 1 John. We'll only look at them one time each. The obedience test or the desire to do God's will test. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know, there's that word, we want to know we're saved. Now by this we know that we know him, another way of saying we're saved. If we keep his commandments, he who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now when you first read this in the King James Version of the Bible, uh, you say, uh-oh, the Bible says we can know that we know him if we keep his commandments, but I don't always keep the Ten Commandments. I don't always do everything that God's word tells me to do. Well, that's not what this is talking about. The word keep is a Greek word that does mean to obey, but it also means to guard. It doesn't mean that you never sin. Why, that would contradict uh, chapter 1 and verse 8 of 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we're liars and deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This passage is not saying that you never sin and you always perfectly keep the commandments of God, but it is saying this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. It is saying this. If you are saved and have the Holy Spirit of God in you, you will have a new drive, you will have a new desire to do the will of God. I have wonderful neighbors. Their dogs are my dogs. My dogs are their dogs. And their favorite, my favorite dog they had was Oreo. How many of you remember Wade Stillman? Wade gave them a baby black Labrador retriever with one little white spot here, and the children named it Oreo. And I have a pond in the, my backyard, and they didn't, so every day Oreo would come over and take a swim in my pond. But I learned something about this Labrador dog. If Oreo brought a stick to you or found an old tennis ball or golf ball and brought it to you and dropped it at your feet, do not pick it up and throw it. Not unless you've got an hour to play retrieve with Oreo. They didn't have to teach Oreo to do that. It's Oreo's nature as a Labrador. Now they have a beagle. Nellie, I like Nellie too. And Nellie, when Nellie sees me in the backyard, she will come over and let me pet her just for a moment. But then that nose hits the ground. And she picks up a rabbit sin or a deer sin. And I mean, she's oblivious to everything else. It's her nature. And if you are saved, it will be your nature to desire to do the will of God. Now, let's quit playing games. You mean to tell me the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, can come and live inside of you and not make a distinctive difference? Test number one. If you are saved, 
You will desire to keep God's commandments and when you don't hit the bullseye, you will confess the sin and get back up and keep going. Test number two, and it's somewhat akin to test number one of eternal life, is the habitual sin test. And it's found throughout the book, but perhaps the best place is in chapter three. Verse nine. I had a Pentecostal roommate in college, and I was a new Christian, and he gave me fits because he actually believed, you know, that every time you sin, you lost your salvation. And this was one of the scriptures he presented to me, and being a new Christian, not understanding too much about the original language, uh, it put me on the spot. I went to the Baptist Student Union director, and he helped me out. All right, here it is, verse 9, chapter 3. Whoever has been born of God, are you saved? Are you born of God? Does not sin. Whoa. For his seed, his nature, remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. I thought, oh, me. I know I'm born of God, but I still sin. And this says whoever is born of God cannot sin because God's seed or nature, some think it's the word of God, dwells in him. And my Baptist student union director said, oh, Brother Jack, said in the original language, that's in that tense that means whoever has been born of God does not practice sin. Because, as I just talked about it, God's nature is in him. And he cannot practice habitual sin. Hey, let me tell you, before I got saved, I cursed. No, I didn't. I'm from Mississippi. I cussed. I cussed like a sailor. And I remember the week after I was saved, I was working on the farm with my dad and a disc blade had broken and when the disc blades had to be replaced it was never one on the outside it was one on the inside and you had to take all the others out to get to it and I was working on that disc and my hand slipped and I skinned my hand now a week before when I was lost you know what I would have done cussed but now that I was saved and called to preach, you know what I did? I cussed. That's what I did. But it was different. Oh, I felt grieved. I felt sorry. And I, I confessed that sin of cussing. And I don't think I cussed more than 10 times that week. But I confessed every one of them. And the next week, eight. And the next week, five. And then, praise God, I was delivered. You can sin as a Christian. You can commit any sin a lost person can commit. You ought not, but you can't accept blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But you can't sin and get away with it. The Holy Spirit will convict you from within. The Heavenly Father will chasten you from without. As Manly Beasley said years ago, the most miserable person in the world is sometimes not a lost person. Not in this life. It'll be in the next life. But the most miserable person in the world sometimes is a born-again believer out of communion and fellowship with God. Do you pass the two tests so far? The third test of eternal life is the brotherly love test. Notice, oh, and this is certainly throughout the disciple of love's 
little epistle of 1 John. But notice chapter 3 and verse 14. We know, there's that word again. We know that we have passed from death to life. In other words, you're saved. Spiritual death, now you have spiritual eternal life. Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Now, does this mean that you never have a disagreement with other Christians? No, it doesn't mean that. Look at Paul and Barnabas. They had a disagreement about whether or not to take John Mark along on the second missionary journey. Uh, in the book of Philippians, remember the two ladies, Iodi and Synthici, they had a disagreement, and yet they both were apparently strong believers. So this doesn't mean that you'll always see eye to eye with every believer, but it means you will have a connection with the people of God. The same Christ that is your Savior is their Savior. The same Heavenly Father that's your Heavenly Father is their Heavenly Father. The same Bible that's your guide is their guide. The same indwelling Spirit in you is the same indwelling Spirit in them. The same Heavenly home that you have is the same Heavenly home that they have. You will have a special love for the people of God. <laughs> Again, a few weeks before I was saved, I was riding past the Baptist church, and uh, we were in my band manager's car, 327 four-barrel super sport. Wow. Windows down. And I looked out there, and there were some kids in front of the Baptist church on the Baptist property that were sitting on hay bales around a little fire, and they were singing, Do Lord. The guy had an old silver tone guitar, and it was out of tune. Now, we were doing things like uh, the Rolling Stones, James Brown, Eric Clapton and Cream, Jimi Hendrix. And I remember we laughed, and I said, I would never be called dead doing anything like that. Don't ever say what you won't do, folks. Not too many days after that, I accepted Christ as my Savior, my Lord. Ended up being baptized and joining the Baptist church. And a few weeks after I made that statement, not only was I sitting in the circle with them singing, Do Lord, I was playing Do Lord on the guitar. It was the rockiest version they ever heard of Do Lord. What happened? Suddenly I had more in common with the saved crowd than the lost crowd. Something's wrong with people who say they're saved and they have more in common with the lost crowd than the saved crowd. Take a glance at something as long as we're here. Chapter 2, verse 19, just very quickly. Verse 19, chapter 2. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. It has to make you think. Oh, I know, we want to say, oh, well, I, my daughter or my son made a profession of faith when they were little. Where do they go to church? Oh, they don't go to church. They never darken the doors of a church. Now, I'm not saying the church saves you. We know the church doesn't save you, but I'm here to tell you. The church 
contains the family of God and you will want to be with the family of God and something's really wrong if you don't. All right, the last test. And it is what I call the belief test. Let's just go right back to where we started. Verse 13, these things have I written to you who believe. Put your faith, put your trust in the name of the Son of God. The name of someone in the Bible means everything that that person represents. And all of those things are described throughout this epistle. Jesus is God's Son. He is fully God who came in the flesh, lived a sinless life. The word propitiation is used two or three times in 1 John. And that means he satisfied the holy justice and wrath of God that was directed toward our sin by taking that sin payment for us on the cross. Jesus paid our sin debt. And three days later, he arose from the grave. And if you are a true Christian, you will believe. And it's interesting, this word believe is in that tense that means you'll keep on believing. There are times I've had doubts in the Christian life about this and that. There have been some dark days, and there's been some days I've been confused, but I have never stopped believing that Jesus was the Lamb of God who was slain for my sin. And when I get to heaven, it's not going to be like this. The doors will be open for us as God's children, but... It's called the diagnostic question in evangelism explosion where you ask someone you're witnessing to, if you died today and you stood at the gates of heaven and the angel of the Lord were to ask you, why should I let you in God's holy heaven, what would your answer be? If your answer would be, because I was a Baptist, because I was baptized and took communion regularly, because I read my Bible, because I prayed. Now, all of these things are important, and all of these things are fruits to show you are saved, but they don't save you. The only answer would be, you should let me in God's holy heaven because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord, period. Worthy is the Lamb. See, that's why the gates of heaven are made of pearl. You know how a pearl's made? A grain of sand gets into the shell of that oyster and begins to irritate and cause a bleeding in the flesh of that little oyster. There's pain, there's blood, and then that little oyster secretes a solution that forms around it, and there you have a pearl. Those pearly gates remind us that we enter heaven because Jesus shed his blood for us on Calvary's cross and paid for our sin. Would you stand with me and pray? Would you bow your head with me? I hope every one of you today just have a a great assurance in your heart that you pass these tests. These aren't all the tests in 1 John, but they're 
some of the basic ones. Oh, I hope every one of you can say, yes, you know, I, I passed that obedience test, Brother Jack. My life is not sinless, but it's more characterized by doing the will of God and wanting to do the will of God and obey God than it is not. And yes, Brother Jack, I passed that habitual sin test in that I cannot sin and get away with it anymore. I'm miserable when I sin. Holy Spirit just really convicts me and nothing just seems to go right and I have to confess that sin get back in close communion with God yes I, I passed that test and yes brother Jack I, I passed the love the brethren test I'm not always the Christian I ought to be but there's one thing I know I have more in common with God's family than I do the devil's family. I don't feel at home with the devil's family, but I feel at home with God's people. May not always agree, but they're my family. I passed that test. And, and you know, Brother Jack, I passed that last and most important test, the belief in Jesus test. Brother Jack, I, I know beyond a doubt I'm saved by the grace of God the undeserved favor of God. I know salvation is a gift, and I know that Jesus and Jesus alone is the way, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. And yes, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Sink or swim, live or die, I'm going to keep on depending on and believing in Jesus. I hope every one of you passed the test of eternal life. If you did, say thank God in your heart today. But listen, is there someone here who didn't? We love you. And God loves you even more. Did you know that I was going to preach a totally different sermon this morning? And I told my wife last night, I said, I don't have a peace. And I had to tell the folks in the audio and video room before the service started, just hold the... PowerPoint. I'm not preaching that message this morning. God's led me to preach this one. Is it because God is speaking specifically to someone here? It's time for you to be saved. There's a difference between being religious and having a personal relationship with God. There's a difference between being a Baptist and being born again of the Spirit of God. Would you receive Christ as your Savior today? If you would, during this invitation time, you come down this aisle. I'll be waiting. Brother Gary will be here. Others will be here that can talk with you and counsel with you. We'll take our time. We would love to know that heaven is rejoicing today because a sinner repents. If there are other decisions that need to be made at this time, the moving of your church letter, you're a Christian, but you feel like God wants you to be a part of this fellowship, then you come today and let me know. I'll be waiting for you. In Jesus' name we pray.
And I want us to pray at least through one verse. Oh, today as they play this wonderful, wonderful true song, the testimony of an old wicked slave trader, John Newton, who got saved and his life was changed. Oh, folks, it's not religion as much as a relationship, a personal relationship with God. Do you have that? Do you have that? Are you sure you're saved? If not, come on. Don't worry about what this one says or this one thinks. It's important what God says. We're going to sing that last verse, Brother Mark, when we've been there 10,000 years. 